Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. Let's go. Everybody else, find your Bible. Go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Luke is in the New Testament. It's the third book in the New Testament. If you split your Bible in half, you'll eventually run into the New Testament. You'll hit Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. <clears throat> Luke chapter 5. You know, so a couple of weeks ago, most of you know, uh, Joel and I were in Chiapas. And uh, we traveled, so Wednesday, we flew into Tuxla which is the capital of Chiapas. And uh, we met with the pastor there. He took us out to eat. Then we stayed the night at his house. And then at uh, 7 o'clock the next morning, we catch this van. It's like a public transportation type thing. And it was this van, cramped van, uh, to ride. What was it? Everybody kept saying like, oh, it's going to be like three and a half hours. And I'm like, I can do three and a half hours. Yeah, whatever. It was like six hours. And uh, literally, we are like sitting like this the entire time. And you can't like lean over. You can't scoop back. You can't lean. I mean, it's just like this. The worst van ride of my life. Anyways, we finally get down to Yajolon, Chiapas, and we're stretching out. And the pastor had said, because I'd already been there a couple of times. And so the pastor's like, well, once you get there, just come to my house. Like just... You know, we're, we're only about three blocks down. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do that. And because I had like this visual of the of layout of the city, of the town. And so whenever we get there, I'm trying not to let Joel know that I'm completely lost. Like, I don't want him to freak out. But I'm like looking around and I'm like, I have never been here before in my life. And uh, I, I, I knew that if I could get to like the square, I knew that if I could get to there, then I could get to his house from there. But I'm just kind of like, Joel's like, so which way do we go? And I'm like, uh. And about that time, whenever I'm just about to admit to Joel that, hey, dude, I'm lost, this uh, lady that's sitting in a taxi says, hey, Pastor Emmanuel, because that's my name down there, Emmanuel, not EJ. EJ is weird and difficult to say in Spanish. Anyways, so she's like, hey, Pastor Emmanuel. I'm like, hey, hey, you want me to take you to Pastor Hector's house? Yes, please. So we throw our bags in the back of the taxi and we jump in the cab and Joel's like, whoa, she knew who you were. I'm like, eh, kind of a big deal. I have, I have leather bound books and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. Anyways, um, so, so a little bit later, later that, I don't know if it was later that night or if it was the next night. Joel and I walk from the hotel that we're staying at, and we go eat at this restaurant. And as we're sitting there and we're eating, this gentleman kind of comes up uh, and says, Hey, what's your name? I'm like, well, my name's EJ. Everybody here calls me Emmanuel. Oh, yeah, I saw you at the conference a few months back, and you preach. And Joel's like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, kind of a big deal. (laughs) Not really. But then that conference finishes up. I've been there a few times. And then we go to the other conference. 
And uh, it's pretty funny, but really hurt my feelings. But anyways, so there's these other guys. There's this one guy there called uh, Kike. Was that his name? Pique. Yeah, see. <laughs> you do that on purpose sometimes. You get the other guy's name wrong. Like, what's your name? Anyways. Um, so his name was Pique del Valle. And he's an, he's an Argentinian dude. And he just looks really cool. Like, he's got the long hair. He's got, like, the... Uh, um, the cool, my glasses don't look cool. My glasses make me look like a nerd. His glasses made him look cool. And so he's got the long hair, he's got the glasses, he's got the skinny jeans, and, and he's, uh, anyways, he's just looking so cool. And whenever it was her, his turn to speak, man, he walks out onto the stage, and they've got like walkout music for him. Like, no, no joke, walkout music. And people are like, yeah, and they start clapping whenever he comes out, and then he preaches his message, all this stuff. They had this other guy there, um, uh, um, I can't remember his name either, but he's from El Salvador. Do you remember his name? Jeremias, Jeremiah. Um, anyways, the same thing. Like he's apparently a big deal and uh, he walks out and they've got walkout music for him and everybody's cheering for him. Yeah. Brother Dell was there. Those of you that know, don't know who Brother Dell is, he's an older man. He's in his mid seventies, but he's been going down to this part of Mexico now for 49 years. Next year, they're throwing a huge party for celebrating 50 years. So everybody knows who he is. So he doesn't even have walkout music. Like they just say his name. Everybody starts cheering. Well, then it's my turn to speak. What are y'all laughing? I haven't even got to the punchline yet. You're laughing. It's my turn to speak. And the guy's like, the guy tells me, like the leader over the whole event, he's like, okay, now wait up because we're going to have you some, we're going to have you some music. And so when that music comes, comes on, then you come out. I'm like, cool. So I just start waiting. And then I just wait a little bit longer. And like nothing's happening, happening, no sound, no music. And now they're just like, go, go. I'm like, where's my walkout music? No, just get out there. And so the guy hands me the microphone, and before he hands me the microphone, he's like, I want you guys to help me welcome, and he actually does call me by, by EJ. He says, I want you guys to welcome EJ. You guys know who he is, right? And it was like, <laughs> literally, it was like that. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I feel like I'm back home. I feel right at home. And I'm like, thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. Like, literally, crickets. I was an absolute no name there. And today we're going to look at in Luke chapter 5, there's a no name there. Jesus has showed up. Jesus by this this time, he's famous. Everybody knows who he is. And he shows up to this place, to this house, and he starts teaching. And the Bible says that Pharisees and teachers, basically people who knew the Bible inside and out, came from all over the place, from every major city. They come to listen to Jesus speak. And they cramp the place. It's absolutely crowded. When all of a sudden, these these gentlemen get this idea that we're going to take our friend there because our friend really needs to encounter Jesus. And we don't know his name. All we know is that he was paralyzed. Now, isn't that pretty typical? Isn't that, especially for a small town, hey, we don't know your name, but we know all of your issues. We don't know your first name or your last name. We don't know who you're related to, but we are all up in your business. 
See, he doesn't have a name. He's not given a name. He's an absolute no name. And so these people start, these friends, they pick him up on, on his bed and they start trying to make their way into the house. But they realize there's no way we're getting into this room. There's just, there's standing room. There's no way this crowd is going to move aside. So they take it upon themselves. What we're going to do, we're not going to kind of bump in here. Excuse me, excuse me. Nah, we're just going to, we're just going to tear through the roof is what they're going to do. So they pick their friend up. They, I don't know if they had like a pulley system. I don't know if they just like, one, two, three, threw them up on, I don't know what they did, but, but they start, they did whatever they had to do. They drag them on top of the roof. Once they get on top of the roof, they just start tearing through the roof. It's, it's insane. It's crazy what they did, but then they finally lower. So he's like the original James Bond, like hanging it from the, from the ceiling. They lower him in front of Jesus and then Jesus Jesus does what Jesus does, man. He looks at this man who is paralyzed. These, these, his friends did everything they could to get him to Jesus. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. I can only imagine the thought running through his friend's mind and through this guy's mind. Like, dude, we didn't do all of this work for you to forgive my sins. We want to be healed. We want him to be able to walk. I want to walk. I didn't come here for you to just say something nice. I came here for you to do something spectacular and amazing. And when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, then all of the teachers and the Pharisees, the people that knew the Bible inside and out, they start judging and they start criticizing. Now, nobody has the guts to say it out loud, but they're saying it inside of their minds and inside of their hearts. They're saying, who is this? Who does he think he is to be able to forgive sins? Does he not know that only God can forgive sins? Jesus looks at them and he says, why do you question these things in your heart? Then he asks them a simple question, which is easier to say. Is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or for me to say to this man, get up and walk? And then he says, but so that you would know that the son of man, the son of God has power to forgive sins. He looks at the young man and he says, get up, take up your bed and go home. And that's exactly what happened. He gets up, he's healed, uh, 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 and miraculously, in a, in a moment, he's healed, and he gets up, he takes his bed, he begins to glorify God. Everybody else in the room kind of starts to glorify God, but then it ends. This part of the story ends, they're saying, we saw some pretty strange things today. And so I want to look at these two groups of people today. There's, there's a no name of people who, who they, they thought they were all that, man. They were the Pharisees. They were the teachers. They thought because of their knowledge, because of how much they knew, they thought that they were in. They thought they had it made. And then on the other hand, there's this no name. And all we know about him is that he had a dirty, messy situation. And I think so many of us can relate to one or the other. Maybe some of us do have a good family name or we do have a good uh, position or we have a position of authority at home or at work or at school or whatever. And, and so we have like this reputation to uphold. And on the other hand, maybe some of us, we're, we're no name and all people know about us is you don't talk to them. All people know about us is how bad and how messy our lives have been, how many, how many mistakes we've made, how many, how many people we've hurt, how many times we've been hurt. 
So we're going to look at, take a look at these two groups of people. And then we're going to see what it takes to really experience life change in our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your presence that we've already felt in this place. We thank you so much for a great worship band that does such an incredible job at leading you into your, uh, at leading us into your presence and just setting this atmosphere and this environment where we can experience you, where we can encounter you. So Jesus, this morning, we just want to piggyback on that. And we want to continue to encounter you. We want to continue to experience you. God, we ask you that you would speak into our hearts and speak into our lives. Help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Amen. Luke chapter 5. We're going to start reading in verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And then highlight or pay attention to this last statement right here. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So who is Jesus there for? You guys follow me? feel like I'm back in Chiapas. Nobody knows who I am. So he was there to heal the Pharisees and teachers. And we, don't, we obviously, we don't know what kind of issues they had. We don't know if it was emotional pain, if it was physical pain, if it was spiritual pain. But we do know that the presence and the power of God was there to heal them. Listen, I want you to understand this. We don't have to be the same after encountering Jesus. When we have a true encounter with Jesus, with God, then everything can be changed. Everything can be different, but we can walk away the same if we want to. Once we have an encounter with Jesus, everything can be different. Everything can change, but we can walk away the same if we want to. You see, Jesus was there at that moment, for those Pharisees, for those teachers, that's why Jesus strategically went to that location because he knew he was going to draw in a crowd of Pharisees and teachers and he was hoping that he would be able to heal them. He was hoping that he would be able to change them. But none of them were there for that. As we continue to read on, we'll find out that, that really the only reason they were there was to judge. And here's a solid truth right here. Maybe somebody needs to hear this. The most difficult people to help are people who don't want help. Have you ever tried to help somebody that didn't want to be helped? And it's impossible and it is heartbreaking and it's frustrating and it's irritating and it makes you want to cry. And at the same time, it makes you want to slap them across the face. When you try to help somebody that just does not want to be helped, it's impossible. A lot of us have probably been on that end and then a lot of us have probably been on that other end where we don't want your help. You know, my, my son is kind of getting into that stage where he wants to try to do things on his own. And so he's trying to do something. I'm like, here you go. So, no, let me. I want to do it. I want to do it. And then he just messes everything up. I'm like, dude, I can do this. I can help you with this. I want to do it. 
And then an hour later, I can't. I'm like, dude, I, I was trying to help you. It's impossible. It's so difficult. It's so frustrating. It's so irritating to try to help people who don't want help. And that's where these Pharisees and these teachers, these religious people, that's where they find themselves. They find themselves encountering Jesus. They see, can you imagine, they see Jesus face to face. What, what, what would you ask Jesus if he like just showed up in your bedroom tonight and just said, ask whatever you want to ask? Like so many questions. Why this? Why this? Why not this? Or how can I do this? Or what should I do? And these people have this access to Jesus right there face to face. But they don't want to be helped. They don't want help. This is what they they did that I hope we don't do. Don't allow your pride to make you miss out on what God can and wants to do for you. Don't let your pride get in the way of what God can and what God wants to do for you. Again, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. All we know is that Jesus was there to heal them. So we're assuming some of them had some type of sicknesses, some type of diseases, something wrong. And Jesus was there to heal them, but they allowed their pride, their arrogance, their position, their their level of authority, who they were to kind of just stand between them and Jesus, stand between themselves really being healed, really being restored. They just allowed it to stand between them. And I think so many times this happens in the church, man. Jesus is here. God is moving. The presence of God is here. The spirit of God is here. But we're just a little bit too cool. That's true. You guys with me? Or we're we're just a little bit too cowboy. (laughs) Or we're just a little bit... I shouldn't say that. That, that was going to be a little offensive. Um, we're, we're just a little bit too manly. We're just a little bit too tough. Or we're just a little bit too whatever. And so God is moving. God is here. God's doing something. But there's just that some one thing. You know, I'll share with you guys. Man, I grew up in church. I've been here my entire life. I, you know, I, I helped build this building. Like, I didn't do a good job, but I helped build this building. You know, it was, it was my job. I was sharing with a friend because we're, we're like so frustrated with. I'm not going to go down that road anyways. And I'm sharing with, with my friend how, you know, I, I live that way. But the bus didn't take me while we were building this building. The bus didn't take me home. The bus dropped me off here at 3.30 or 3.45, whatever time it was, uh, Monday through Friday. And I didn't go, get, go home and like watch Barney or whatever. I don't know. Watch TV. You know, the bus dropped me off here, and I walked in, and, I, and it was my job. We had three men uh, laying this block, and it was my job to haul block to them. And I would try to strategically, like, help whoever was on the lower end. That way I didn't have to pick them up overhead. And it was so much easier to just take them out of the wheelbarrow like this. Yeah, that never worked. My grandpa always got those easy ones. He sent me to the tall. Anyways. Anyways. So... So what I'm getting at is sometimes, you know, because I grew up here in church, what I would do so many times 
is I'd feel God, I'd experience God, I knew God was moving. But like me as a teenager, I didn't really want the cute girl to see me go up to the front. Or I didn't want my friends to see me pray. I didn't want them to see me lift up my hands. I didn't want them to see me cry. I didn't want them to see me, whatever. Or you know the, the preacher's talking about something pretty heavy. And it's one of those things that like, I don't have a problem with that. No, what you talking about? But I really did. But I didn't want anybody else to know. So there were so many times as a teenager growing up, I missed out on encountering Jesus, on my life being changed, on experiencing God in his fullness, just because I was a little prideful and arrogant. I don't even know what, what, man, I was like 130 pounds whenever I graduated. Like I was a skinny little dude that thought, anyways, let's not go down that road either. Um, But so many times, oftentimes, we miss out on what God can do, on what God wants to do, just because we're too prideful. So as we continue reading, then behold, men brought, brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. I want you to know, even though everyone else may know you by your situation and everybody else may know what your business is, everybody else may know what your bad habits are or know what your problems are, know what your kids did, know what your grandkids did, know what your brother or your sister did, know what your husband or your wife did. Just because everybody knows those things, I want you to know that that is not your identity. Maybe to everybody else, they see you and they call you by that. But Jesus does not see you or call you by your messy situation. He does not identify you by that. You guys with me? So these men began, behold, they they brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. Verse 19, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When Jesus shows up, he's going to do something. We can either stand on the sidelines or we can jump in. We can either sit back like these Pharisees and teachers and kind of just look and judge everybody else and kind of wonder, well, yeah, that, that person really needs to feel God today. That, whatever. We can either sit back and judge from the sidelines or we can jump in and be a part of the game and be a part of what Jesus is doing. You guys with me on that? Ah, is, this, is, this, is this too heavy? Is this too mean? Is this too tough? So when Jesus shows up, I want to encourage you all, don't like, don't sit back and wonder. Don't sit back and judge. Don't sit back and look at everybody else. You know, I, I know, again, so many times as a teenager getting that altar call, like nobody wanted to be the first one to come to the front. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I remember one time I'm preaching. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm doing a youth conference and I'm preaching and man, I just felt God so powerful in that place at that moment and I I don't I don't remember what I preached about but I poured my heart out and I remember at the end of the service we're at this youth camp and and we're at the end of the message and I give this altar call 
And it's like, again, like crickets. Nobody is moving. Nobody's saying anything. But I just felt God so strongly. So I just look at them and I say, well, one of you, please come forward so everybody else will follow you. And I'm not kidding you. Everybody got up out of their seat and came to the front. Everybody was just waiting for that one person to move forward. Everybody was just waiting for that one person to admit that they needed Jesus, that they needed to encounter Jesus at that time. And I think so many times we allow ourselves to be sidelined because we don't want to be that first person. We don't want to be the first person that takes the first step. But I want to encourage you, whenever you're here and you begin to feel God and you feel Jesus, don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything get in between you. Don't watch from the sidelines, but jump in. Be a part of it. Experience Jesus. Experience God in his fullness. I love that these guys did whatever it took to get to Jesus. And I think we need to learn that from them. I think we need to learn to do whatever we have to do to get to Jesus, to encounter Jesus. I think so many times we kind of just set up all of these boundaries. And like, so if this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens, then that means Jesus is really talking to me. That means that God is really talking to me. Let's stop putting up boundaries and let's stop putting up walls in between us and Jesus and saying, if you do this, if God does this, if so-and-so does this, if so-and-so says this, and let's just do whatever we have to do to get to Jesus. Man, these guys picked up this man, put him on top of the ceiling, tore through the roof and lowered him to get to Jesus. They weren't going to let Anything stand between them and Jesus. And I just want to tell you, man, your family needs that today. Your family needs a father, needs a mother that will just step up and say, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get my family to Jesus. I don't care how everybody else is raising their kids. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to raise my kids in a godly environment. I'm telling you, your family needs that. Your family needs someone that would just step up and say, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. If I got to stop going to these places, if I got to stop talking about these things, if I got to stop watching this or stop listening to this, or if I have to start developing these type of habits, whatever I have to do, I'm going to pay whatever price I have to to get to Jesus. Once they finally get this man to Jesus, verse 20, when he saw their faith, speaking of Jesus, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. I want you to know that Jesus cares so much more about your salvation than he does your situation. Jesus cares so much about where your heart is than what's going on in your life. Everything, listen, everything is temporary. Nothing in this world lasts forever. Everything is temporary. 
no matter how big, how painful, how dirty, how messy, all of these things are temporary. But your heart and your soul live on for eternity. So Jesus is always going to address the issue of the heart before he's going to address the issue of your situation. And I think so many of us are asking God to change our situation when we should actually be asking God to change our heart. So many of us are asking God to do something miraculous around us, like please change my wife, change my husband, change my kids, change my parents, change my friends, change my job, give me more money, give me more of this. And God's saying all of that, all of those things are actually just byproducts of where your heart is. God is saying if you would just settle down and get your heart right, then maybe all of these other things would begin to fall into place. Maybe, I don't know, I don't know, but but just maybe, maybe the reason you fight so much at home just might because might be because your heart's not right. You ever you ever thought about that? It just might be because. You've kind of got a little bit of bitterness about you. You've got a grudge hidden inside of your heart. You're still angry and frustrated about last century or whatever. And maybe, just maybe, if we would ask God to change our hearts, then maybe our home life and our family life would begin to get better. Have you ever just wondered that? Have you ever just, oh God, I just need a new husband. I just need a different woman. Maybe if we just got our hearts right. God is always so much more concerned about where your heart is, about your salvation, about your eternity, than he is your temporary struggles. And so when we begin to pray and when we begin to ask Jesus and talk to God, let's put those things first. Let's prioritize our hearts. Let's prioritize our eternity and our soul and our salvation. I want to leave you with these three takeaways. Go ahead and come up here, Josh. I want to leave you with these three takeaways. Number one, we all need to acknowledge our need for Jesus. We all need to acknowledge our need for Jesus. Some of us have a really good time or have a really good uh, way and, and very easily acknowledge our need for Jesus when everything is going wrong. You ever been in that boat? When everything is just crashing and burning. We, we acknowledge our need for Jesus. But when things are kind of going good, we tend to not. We tend to kind of think that we've got life by the horns. And we've got this thing figured out. We all need to acknowledge our need for Jesus. The second takeaway I want to leave you with is this. Choose to be involved, not just 
a spectator. Choose to be involved, not just a spectator. So in describe verse 21, we'll, we'll read till the end. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is he is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins? He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to the house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear. Now listen to this last part. They were filled with fear and they were saying, we have seen strange things today. We have seen strange things today. You see, those guys were not there to be involved with what Jesus was doing. They weren't there to encounter Jesus. They were just there to kind of just sit back and watch and look around. And I'm telling you, you can come to church your entire life and you can do a, an excellent job of sitting in your seat or standing in your place and looking around and you will never encounter Jesus. You will never experience Jesus in his fullness. You know what I discovered this week? I discovered this week that I never canceled my gym membership. And I've been paying $35 for the last 16 months. 16 months! And I haven't been to the gym once. And you know what? Just because I was paying, you would think that that $35 a month would have at least made my shoulders a little bit broader. Maybe my belly a little, just a little bit flatter. Come on, man. I could have been paying for 18 years. I could have gone to the gym and then watched everybody. Wow. Put another set of 45s on there. You got it. Could have encouraged others. You're doing a good job on that treadmill. Wow. But you know what? It would have done me absolutely no good. No good. You, you, you would not expect, you would, you would look at me and say, EJ, you're an idiot. If I would have expected my body to change and be transformed just because I was paying a gym membership or just because I was showing up at a gym and watching other people, right? You'd be like, uh, that's not the way it works, EJ. You, you, you got to pick something up every now and then. You got to run every now and then. Like we get this, don't we? We understand that if the treadmill is like full of dust and in that closet, we understand that we're not getting any good out of it. Or the P90X videos. Ah, don't lie. How many of y'all got those or whatever else you got? They do us absolutely no good as long as they're right there with all of the other DVDs. We can do the same thing, man. We can come to church and we can be here every single Sunday. But if we do not get involved, 
If we don't get to be a part of it, if we don't jump into the game, it does us no good. It won't change us. It won't transform us. We won't see or we won't experience Jesus in his fullness. You guys with me? Listen, don't be a spectator. Get involved. Jump in the game. Be a part of what God is doing. Be a part of the transformation. And then the third thing that I want to leave you with is make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that you get your heart right. Listen, before we start praying about our situation and before we start praying about everybody else's situation and how we wish God would change so-and-so and change this other person and change this other person, how about we just start looking at the Bible and using it as a mirror and saying, Jesus, help me get my heart right. Help me to fix what is wrong with me before I start judging and criticizing what is wrong with everybody else. Jesus, help me to get my heart right. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.theremodelchurch.com.